that that you are our living hope uh, Jesus you are all uh, there is no substitute for you Jesus in our lives so we love you and we bless you all God's people said amen all right normally we um we start with the kids' message, and I've got a, I think a pretty good one for the kids. But um, I feel like uh, I know we've got uh, some families that are dealing with some sickness and some other issues, and so I, I just feel like we should pray first this morning. So let me do that real quick. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just come to you uh, with everything that's on our heart, everything that you know that um, is a concern for us. Lord, as a, as a prayer need, we just come to you uh, because we know it's, it's your will be done. So, Father, we just ask that you give us peace, Lord, that you give us wisdom. Lord, we pray for, for those who are, are sick, for those who are um, dealing with um, physical uh, issues as well. Lord, we just pray uh, for all of that. We pray for the families that are surrounding them and the community uh, that, that would just gather around them and lift them up. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, I was going to talk to you about something called humility and something called pride. Pride is the opposite of humility. Um, humility means putting somebody before you. It means putting others before you. And pride means making it all about you, putting you first. So I... I, I actually am stealing this from a YouTube, uh, somebody else did this object lesson. So this glass, this glass is us, okay? This is, this is us. And the air in this glass that we can't see, the air in this glass is pride. But Jesus tells us to be humble, so how do we do that? Well, we do that, this can was from last week's uh, <laughs> lesson. We do that by, let's say the water in this can is humility. So if we start to put humility in our lives, what happens to the pride? Where does it go? There's no room for it, right? So if we fill ourselves with humility, as Jesus tells us to, then we will be humble and we will put others before us. Can you remember that? All right. Now, I know they've got something special for you back there today, so you can go to class and have fun. I think I might drink this while I'm up here. It's cold this week, so. You may have noticed that Robert wasn't playing guitar. Robert was on the soundboard. It's a gift, truly, and so I expect to sound better than I ever have because... Uh, <laughs> 
Robert was, there's only so much you can do, I know. But I mean, you know, Robert was over there and he was working the dials and all that sort of thing. So um, good morning officially to all of you that are here, those of you that are watching online as well. I know we have some families that are sick. Um, I do want to remind everyone that tonight is um, our pizza and game night at 5 o'clock here from 5 to 7. Uh, hope you can make it. Hope you can invite some friends and some uh, neighbors or just somebody that you, you really just want to trounce in a good board game. Just invite them. Tell them there's pizza and then you can surprise them with a the board game thing later. But uh, uh, we hope that, that you will come. Uh, I think it'll be a good time. Uh, it's summer. You know, we're coming into summer. I spent a good bit of time yesterday cutting the grass. I woke up this morning reminding myself that I wasn't in my 30s anymore or even my 40s because it was a little stiff and a little tired, but, um, but it was good to get out and enjoy the, the sunshine. And, um, you know, with, with it being summer, it's just time for something new. We finished our sermon series last week and Mark and thought we would, would kind of go into something um, a little lighter maybe uh, across the summer here. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at some of the people that we see in the Bible who don't typically take center stage. You know, um, not the people that we would call the heroes of the Bible. More like the sidekicks. When you tell a story, there's always a main character. There's that, that main character that you connect with, but often there is a sidekick that does great things also. There's often a, a sense of thinking that the main character is important and the secondary character is just kind of filler. But without that secondary character, the main character can't do what he or she was called to do. I grew up, as many of you know, watching a lot of TV, movies, reading comic books, all of this. So this is a, something that I'm very familiar with. And, and my wife actually suggested um, this, and it was like, you know, a light went on. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, sidekicks, of course. Sidekicks, that, that's great. I mean, think about Robin Hood, and there's little John, right? Think about Batman. He's got Robin, right? Think about... The Lone Ranger, for those of us who remember, has Tonto. Yes. So it just seemed obvious to me, right? When you, when you look at the main characters in the Bible, most people would immediately be able to rattle off Jesus, Moses, David, maybe Joshua, certainly the Apostle Paul. They all had sidekicks. But not a lot is talked about regarding their sidekicks. So for the next five weeks in this series, every week, we're just going to look at one sidekick. We're going to highlight one particular character that fills that role. So before we get started, I know I already prayed, but I'm going to pray for the sermon real quick and for all of us. So Father, I just uh, ask now for ears to hear, for eyes to see your truth, for hearts that are focused on you humble hearts, trusting hearts. Lord, may your truth speak to us in a new way today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're looking at the artwork um, up there on the screen, or maybe you're just sort of thinking about 
some of the Old Testament heroes of the, the Bible, you probably are thinking Moses pretty quickly, right? He's a big hero. And maybe you're envisioning the movie with Charlton Heston or, uh, you know, something like that. Moses has this amazing story. But today we're going to look at someone who was with him through all the highs and the lows. Someone who truly helped Moses do all that God had called him to do. Now, when Moses was in the land of Midian, God spoke to him through the burning bush. We, we know that story, right? And we read about this in Exodus 3.10. It says, God says to him, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, we have the advantage of knowing the whole story, so we, we know what happens. But let's, let's take the fact that, that this is the voice of God coming out of a, a bush, a burning bush that's not, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed by fire. It's this amazing thing, right? Let's take all that out of the equation for a minute, and let's just look at Moses as a normal 80-year-old person. Moses was 80 when this happened, okay? Yeah, or just really any person, for that matter. If, if you've ever been asked to step up and do something that you've never done before, you probably responded the same way that Moses did. In the next verse, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Essentially, what Moses said was, Who, me? I mean, we've all responded, you know, in a similar way when we've been asked to volunteer for something or, or do anything for the first time that could be potentially uncomfortable. I remember the, the first time that I was asked years ago to volunteer in kids' ministry and to teach. And I think my first response was, me? And, and I'm, I'm sure I'm, I must have made, you know, some joke about the fact that I, I don't even have enough patience for my own children, let alone a room full of other people's children, you know, that kind of thing. But it turns out it was really just my own insecurity, and it was my own defense system trying to, you know, keep God at bay. Stepping into that request, no matter what I thought or felt, was the beginning of my journey to where I am here today. And this is what Moses tries to do, directly speaking to God. Exodus 4 begins this kind of almost comical back and forth thing between God and Moses, where Moses offers up excuse after excuse after, you know, this concern, that concern, and God just casts each one aside. Moses starts questioning everything because he didn't yet have any trust in God. And there was no relationship equity there. But when all of his questions were answered, Moses tried one last thing. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind, is it not I, the Lord? 
Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. So God gets angry with Moses after all of this excuse after excuse. And then God relents by having Aaron go with him. Who is this guy Aaron? This is the first mention of him. It's, it's mentioned that he's Moses' brother. But if you remember Moses' backstory, he was raised in Pharaoh's court as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. But it wasn't the current Pharaoh, not the one that's sitting on the throne now. Moses was, was found in a basket in the Nile because it had been decreed that all Hebrew boys were to be killed. There was this fear that the Israelites were just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they would soon outnumber the Egyptians and there would be an uprising. So this is the first mention of Aaron. In, in the story of baby Moses, we know that Moses had an older sister because she was the one that sort of arranged that Moses' mother would take care of, of the baby for Pharaoh's daughter. So we, we know about her. But how did Aaron escape the law about the Hebrew males? Well, Exodus 7.7 7 tells us that Moses, it says, Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So we can assume that Aaron was born before the law was passed. We also know that Aaron was born into the tribe of Levi. It said he was a Levite. Aaron was Moses' brother slash sidekick. But he was so much more than that. He was the first high priest of Israel. He was a spokesman for God's chosen race. And he helped lead his people with humility and selflessness. In an essay by Eli Weissel, Aaron is described like this. He is a man of peace. He succeeds at everything. Everyone admires, even loves him. Whether great or small, they need him. His understanding and his mediation. Whatever he does, he is well regarded. Nice words. So, what makes Aaron a good sidekick to Moses, the hero? Well, the first thing is this. He was a man who trusted God. In Exodus chapter 4, beginning of verse 27, it says, The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went 
and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Don't miss this. God spoke directly to Aaron, telling him to meet Moses in the wilderness. We all know that Moses heard from God, the burning bush, and, and later on as they were traveling through the desert. We, we know that. We learned that in Sunday school when we were kids, right? But God audibly spoke to Aaron as well. And did you notice something? There's no account of Aaron trying to get out of what God asked him to do. There's no, no back and forth. There's none of that, well, I'm not the guy, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. There's none of that. Aaron obediently went. And you have to remember that Moses had been in Midian for 40 years. It's likely they hadn't even seen each other in that length of time. But Aaron was obedient. He trusted God. And, you know, Moses told Aaron what, what God had said to him, including, you know, God's instructions. Can you imagine that conversation? Yeah, so I was walking by this bush and it was on fire. And then the voice of God, he said to take my sandals off. And, and he said that we're going to go free our people and you're coming with me. And, and we throw this staff down and it turns into a snake. You want to see that? That's a pretty cool trick. And then I can show you, you know, all of this. Back and forth. In Egypt, Moses and Aaron gathered the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them what God had said to Moses. And it's interesting to note how quickly Aaron not only responded to God's obedience, but he also got on board with Moses. Right away, everything Moses told him, he bought into without any sort of argument or are you kidding here that kind of thing now I, I grew up with four siblings and maybe it was just the atmosphere at Camp Hui growing up I don't know but you never believed anything that your brothers or sisters told you without verification from somebody else and people are nodding right now because you know it's true if you have siblings especially brothers okay if you have a brother that's close in age Okay, my, I have a twin brother, right? We're three minutes apart. You couldn't believe a single thing one of us would say to the other one. You just, you, you couldn't bet your life on it. it. It just wasn't worth it. And I had friends when we were little who had, you know, families of multiple brothers, right? And it was the same for them, too. I don't remember them just saying, well, my brother just told me so-and-so. must be true. Nobody. Yet, here is Aaron, seemingly up to the task to which God has called him without question, willingly helping his brother and speaking to the people on his behalf. Part of Aaron's role was perhaps to serve as an intermediary between Moses and the Israelites. You know, we have to consider that possibility because remember, Moses grew up where? In the palace. He didn't grow up with his people. He didn't live the life of a slave like all of them so it was probably crucial to have Aaron there to serve as, as sort of an intermediary between them 
they, it, you know, we, we talk about uh, relationship equity. Moses was very much a stranger. They may have known of him, but they didn't really know him. And so that had to be earned, and Aaron helped that happen. I think all of this speaks to a, a few huge things about the person of Aaron. Aaron, he, he trusts God for, for whatever God throws at him. He trusts him. He really trusts his brother and his brother's leadership. And I think he also loved his brother well. So the second thing that makes Aaron a fantastic sidekick is that Aaron was a humble servant. I talked about humility here with the kids. We remember the, the battle uh, with the Amalekites that uh, Moses was called to keep his hands raised throughout the battle. It says in, in Exodus 17, beginning of verse 8, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. I'm going to get, I probably said that wrong. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him and he, he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until he was going down, until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Keep in mind here, these are guys that are well into their 80s at this point. And Aaron is humble enough to follow his brother, to serve him however he needs in the moment. This wasn't about physically having your hands up. It was about the fact that when God, the God-appointed leader, Moses, exalted God publicly, they won. And he couldn't do it alone. No one can say that anyone but God made that happen. And I think Aaron embodies that humility very well. Hey, I need you to hold my arm up for me. You know? If you've ever cared for a loved one that's hurting, that's post-surgery, I got all kinds of experience with that, okay? It's very humbling. And in our culture, it's just as humbling to have to ask, you know? But it's, it's very humbling to know that, that this is part of, of serving. It's part of loving. Now let's not forget that Aaron is Moses' older brother. I have an older brother. Very older, if he's watching. Just you know, want to say that, you know. But if I was to ask him to follow my leadership, I think that there would be some friction because he's been on planet Earth longer than I have. Again, quite a bit longer than I have. And I think that there would be a little bit of, what? 
You know, I talked to you a few weeks ago about the diaper changing, you know, philosophy that Angie and I have about if anyone's ever changed your diaper, they're not very likely to listen to you or to look at you as, as an authority on anything because that's how they still think of you. Now, my, my brother knows I'm an adult, obviously, and, and um, we do have a, a, a great relationship. But I'm thinking to Aaron and Moses and, and reminding myself how humble Aaron had to be because he was the big brother. How many times must Aaron have looked at his little brother and said, all right, okay, I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to follow Moses. There are many moments in Aaron's life and ministry that, that he could have succumbed to pride. It's not just being Moses' brother and being Moses' older brother. Aaron was also called to be the high priest. Okay, and, and everything that went with that, you know, the special robes and the, and, and the attention and, and the position of power and the authority and, and all of that. And get this, in, in the book of Numbers, in chapter 16, it tells us this story of a man named Korah, who was also a Levite, just like Aaron, and he and a few other men led a revolt. It says this, And they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You've gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now when you, when you hear this passage, does your mind not think about modern 21st century Western churches arguing over the color of the carpet and splitting and going their own? You know what I mean? That's what's going on here. Who do you think you are being in authority? I mean, God's with all of us, right? We're God's chosen people, plural. But then God performed a miracle to confirm that Aaron and his descendants were indeed chosen to minister before the Lord's presence. There were these 12 staves that were collected, one from each tribe. Okay, And the staff representing the tribe of Levi had Aaron's name inscribed on it. How about that? And then the staffs were all laid in the tabernacle in front of the Ark of the Covenant, and they were left overnight. And then in Numbers 17, verses 8 through 11, it says, On the next day Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs, from before the Lord to all the people of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony, to be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, as the Lord commanded him, so he did. With the confirmation of God, on top of everything else, 
on top of the robes, on top of the position, on top of the authority, God confirming right here through a miracle. Aaron is our guy. It's amazing to me that Aaron remained, for the most part, humble. And that doesn't mean that Aaron was perfect. He had his moments. And this leads to the last reason why I think that Aaron was an excellent sidekick. Aaron was willing to repent when things went wrong. At Mount Sinai, God had warned the people to keep their distance as he met with Moses and he gave them the law. And on one of Moses' ascents, God told him to bring Aaron with him. In Exodus uh, 19.24, it says, And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So, you know, here, here we go again. All right, Aaron gets to go along with Moses up the hill, you know. And just thinking if they were little kids, Aaron would have looked back and went, mm, you know, because he was going up there. Thankfully, he didn't, but still. Later, when, when Moses stayed on, on the mountain with God, he put Aaron and her in charge to handle any of the disputes that might arise. It, it reminded me of our talking, talking about the, after the transfiguration, when Jesus came down the mountain with Peter and James and, and John. What did he come back to? A fight, right? <laughs> People arguing with each other. So, so Moses puts Aaron and her in charge. But unfortunately, things did not go well for Aaron while he was in charge. The people became impatient. They were waiting for Moses to return, and they, they asked Aaron to make them a god. In Exodus 32, it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. We all know the story about the, about the golden calf and, and what happened. But Aaron doesn't seem to offer any sort of resistance to this request for another god to worship. He immediately just asks for the gold jewelry. He, it formed into the shape of a calf and created an idol. And Aaron even built an altar in front of the calf and announced a festival for it. And it may seem difficult to understand how a man who so willingly obeyed God's call to help his brother lead the people out of Egypt, who had seen God's amazing works firsthand, who just recently had encountered God on Mount Sinai, could do such a thing. Aaron's failure is a demonstration of our human nature. We, we don't know Aaron's motivation, but it's not hard to imagine that he might have doubted God and feared the very people that he was there to oversee. 
He falls prey to the pressures of the world in front of him. When God told Moses what was happening with the people and the golden calf, he threatened to destroy the people and make a great nation out of Moses instead. And Moses intervened on behalf of the people and returned to them. It says, And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. The tablets contained God's covenant. Moses destroyed them, not just in a moment of anger, but also because the people, his people, had broken the covenant through their disobedience. Moses burned the idol, and he, he scatters its ashes in the water, and then he made the Israelites drink it. And when Moses asked Aaron why the people had done this, and why he'd led them into it, Aaron was honest about the people's complaining and their request to make him a god, but he wasn't completely honest about his own part in things. Remember in Exodus 32, 4, we just read, it said, and, and he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. Remember that? It, it mentions a graving tool. Yet when Aaron is responding to Moses' question, he says, So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire. And out came this calf. What? Aaron admitted to his collection of their jewelry, but he claimed that when he just threw it into the fire, the calf just came out on its own. Moses sees everyone running wild, and they're, they're out of control with the, the danger of becoming a, a laughingstock to their enemies. Remember, Moses had just defended these people to God. Moses calls uh, those who are for the Lord to him. The Levites all immediately rally around Moses, including Aaron. And in doing this, they repent. Aaron repented. And I believe that's why he wasn't put to death. The golden calf incident was not Aaron's only blunder, though. In Numbers 12, read this. It says, Miriam, that's Moses' sister, and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has, has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now scholars and Bible commenters have debated whether this was a different wife for Moses, whether this was actually Zipporah, Moses' first wife, but we're now getting information that she was a, a Cushite. It, it doesn't really matter. What we know from this, from the scripture here is that the description that Moses had a wife and the wife was a Cushite. Now for us in modern world, 21st century, that's Ethiopia. Cush is Ethiopia. Okay, so Moses certainly didn't look like any of us. But this wife was, was very dark-skinned. And they were questioning this, but more importantly, his brother and sister, the main takeaway here, 
is that they were questioning Moses' spiritual authority. So, beginning in, in verse 9, it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Instantly, Aaron repents. Aaron was a man who owned his mistakes. And he asked for forgiveness instantly. As a man, I can tell you that sometimes owning your mistakes is one of the hardest things that we have to learn how to do growing up. He trusted God. He was humble in his service to others. And when he failed, like we all do, he repented. It's been said that we, we all treat our lives like we're the main character of the story. You know, like we're, we're in our own individual sitcom and everybody else is just sort of a supporting character for us, right? The true story is God's story. We're the supporting characters. We're the sidekicks. Don't ever feel like the term sidekick is demeaning because that's what we're all called to be. Sidekicks of God. So let's learn this week from Aaron to trust God, be humble, and to turn your heart to Him. Amen? Right, let me pray for us. I invite the worship team back up and try not to spill this water all at the same time. Father, thank you for humility. Thank you for being the hero of the story. The only hero that matters. Lord, you've called us to join you in what you're doing. Literally, to be your sidekicks. So as we continue through this series over the next five weeks, God, would you just give us new insight? into things that we may have glossed over before, the things we may have never considered. Would you help us to become good sidekicks, those who trust you, those who turn to you and are humble? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I will sing of the goodness of God It's so easy to sing of the goodness of God, isn't it? So, uh, the ultimate hero of uh, the ultimate story. So, uh, we thank you for that. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, reminder, we do have game night tonight. Um, five o'clock, so hopefully you can make it and you can bring uh, people I've never met before. So that, that would be a, a wonderful thing as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. I'm excited about this series. It's going to be good. Um, so have a great week. Be praying for you. God bless. <laughs>